Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This is David Moyes. This is Yapstam. This is Ryan Fraser. This is Troy Daly. This is Jürgen Klopp and you're listening to The Big Interview with Graham Hunter. Welcome to the big interview. I'm Graham. Sometimes I wonder, not only in this forum, but when I'm listening to other podcasts, what the intro is for. Often, if you like a podcast, you're pretty much going to tune in based upon previous record or knowing the guest or liking the subject. In any case, I think the intro should be short, so I'm going to get on with it because the the beauty, the meat, um, or you know, the vegetarian alternative of the interview should be the basis of why you're tuning in. Not me. In essence, just in case you're not aware of how important, how talented, how special our guest is, Victor Sanchez played for Real Madrid and won the title and the Champions League. He played for Deportivo La Coruña. He won the title in Spain with Depor. He won a couple of Super Cups. He also played in that Centenariazzo game where on Madrid's 100th birthday the Copa del Rey final was arranged to be in the Bernabeu Deportivo La Coruña turned up and won and their fans sang happy birthday to Real Madrid as they waltzed off with the trophy Victor played in six Clásicos I think he played something like 36 times against Barcelona or Madrid when he was at other clubs, including Racing Santander, Deportivo La Coruña. And he had massive performances in his repertoire, including a 4-2 win at the Camp Nou for Deportivo La Coruña, a 5-2 win at Riazor against Real Madrid. And he played with truly exceptional footballers throughout the majority of his career. We met in Madrid on the northern side where he was born, where this two-footed winger, he was predominantly a right winger, began a a life and a a training for football in Getafe. That was his community. He went through La Fabrica at Real Madrid. And therefore, what he's going to talk to us in this interview about would be about life as a street footballer, what it teaches you, why it's horrendous that in society we're losing kids, boys and girls, who play on the streets or play in rough territory or play around passing cars or cops chasing them away because we're losing something something essential, um, which breeds footballers that we all love watching. We're going to get a, a first-hand microscopic view of Real Madrid's La Fabrica talent factory. He came through with umpteen stars. There are brilliant stories about him and Raul, the day that Raul came to Madrid Atletico's academy having been closed by Jesus Hill, the day that Fabio Capello came to Madrid. What changed in training, in mentality? Why Madrid won the title under Capello after years of Cruyff's Barcelona and Van Hal's Barcelona dominating La Liga? Suddenly, Madrid were back. Victor explains how the players who made it in those phases of his career were the ones who learned fast. He talks about 
which of them he considers to have been both the most talented but also the fast learners. The phrase, we train as we play. Who said it? Why? What impact did it have? And Capello's instilling of team spirit, unity of purpose amongst superstars, a great art for any coach. All the other Spanish teams then copied Real Madrid, Victor explains to us, and he credits much of the, at least the beginning, the first stage of the vast leap forward of Spanish football in comparison to English football and Serie A and the Bundesliga in the 90s to Capello's impact, his arrival. He'll talk to us about Jupp Heynckes. Jupp went on to win the treble at Bayern Munich. He was a vastly important coach at Bayern Munich. But he was somebody who brought a mythical trophy back to Real Madrid in the most strange and, for him, sad, depressing circumstances. But he did coach Real Madrid to La Septima, their seventh European Cup. Victor was part of that season, scored against Olympiacos in that Champions League, which ended up in Amsterdam. And Victor gives us a great, great story of the tunnel against Juventus, the Juventus of Hegedabitz, Alex Del Piero, Sidan, Marcelo Lippi. Stories about Raul, Marcelo Lippi, Sidan, Seedorf, Capello. Could you really ask for anything more? This is Victor Sanchez on The Big Interview, part one. Big interview listeners, we're fortunate today, we're in Madrid. We're talking to a native of Madrid, a man, normally a right-winger, but two-footed, naturally. You know we don't uh, speak to people who don't think about their talents in the big interview, but a man who won the title with Real Madrid here in La Liga, a man who won the title with Deportivo La Coruña. Yes, you're getting hot already, you can begin to work out who it is. A man who is in the side from Deportivo La Coruña that won the Copa del Rey final in the Bernabeu against Madrid on their 100th birthday. Yeah, rude. Um, a man who went to the Champions League semi-final with Deportivo La Coruña and was part of the best team in that club's entire history. A man who won the Champions League with Real Madrid too. That means it's you, Victor Sanchez del Amo. First of all, what a pleasure to be in your native city. But, Victor, when I say it's your native city, you, you, were, born, you, were, you were brought up more in the part Getafe than, than mainly in Spain's capital. Is that right? And what, was being, what did it feel like? What did it mean to you to be brought up in Getafe, a place that's now famous for their rather unusual football club? Yeah, First of all, let me, let me say thank you very much and my pleasure also. And for me, I'm very glad to be here joining this moment and this football talks with you and all your audience. Well, yes, now everybody knows about Getafe, thanks to football. But when I, when I was a child, Getafe team that was in the low, in the low divisions in Spain, so it was very difficult to, to know abroad, no? out of Spain, somebody knows where is Getafe. No? It's, a, it's a village uh, at the south of Madrid uh, where humble people live, uh, workers, no? they go to work to Madrid mainly, to the factories. Uh, and I was born there. And I started playing football there. In, in that times, uh, were the times that the kids, we spend all of our time when we had time for, for play, playing at the streets. That, that, that's that, one of the things that you and I share, which made you a great footballer, a successful footballer, but it's a feature, didn't, we've done like 135 interviews now. People that learned some of their skills, but also their mentality and their character, playing what we call street football, which, which doesn't always necessarily have to mean that it's in, in the street where the cars go. Sometimes it is, but you're playing on hard surfaces or muddy whatever. surfaces. Just, whatever. Yeah, wherever. <laughs> Even sometimes we played with a ball. Sometimes we played with a ball. But not always. We used to play with a bottle, with a, a glass. A, not always we had a ball to play football. That was the, the street football university you know, that, that built at, this, at that times 
many, many smart players. I what, think. what does it teach you? A lot of things. A lot of things. You know, you learn how to deal with uh, many issues that uh, come to football that this unpredictable. When you play a football game, uh, many things happen are unpredictable. When you play at the streets, when we play, because nowadays that's not happening. Happened many unpredictable things. Very, very important. You play not always in a, in a regular space. There were cars, there were people, there were uh, gardeners, there were many, many things. Sometimes you have to stop because a car was coming. So you, you kick the ball and you put the ball on a balcony and then you have to, to learn uh, another ability, social abilities that you have to go to ask for the ball. The way you ask for the ball is the, the probability you get success coming it back or not. Not only uh, skills about playing football, uh, technical skills, also social abilities, leadership, you learn. Of course, later I, I joined Real Madrid Football Academy that uh, also made me as a football player in terms of the most of all winning mentality and, and of course a part of all the technical, tactical lessons that you learn there. But the, the winning mentality for me that is something that makes the difference. But thanks also to the football school, the street school of football. As you go through your career, which will be a coach and sometimes a media analyst on football, and as I grow older and have to give up altogether, what do you think the effects we will all see because of the fact that now so few kids are playing in the way that, that you've explained? Things have changed dramatically. We all know why. It's not news that everybody has a gadget of some kind, yeah. that there's television stations everywhere. But when not so many players are experiencing what you've just described, over the next five or ten years, what will the effects be on football? I have to be honest, I cannot uh, predict the future, but what is sure and totally agree that uh, we are in another era. We are in, in the digital revolution. And my generation, we have, uh, we have had the luck or, or I think the lack always you have to be positive to to live in the in the turning point. So when we were young, there was no digital. So we were our brain was our only software we have to deal our brain and our hardware our main hardware was our body. So that's why as a as a kids we were playing every day. Not only football, tennis. I, I was a very good tennis player. I remember I was playing tennis when I was young and I had to leave tennis because I joined Real Madrid Academy and I was crying during a week every day because I was missing tennis a lot because I, I, I love tennis. We, we developed ourselves in, in this uh, analog uh, scenario. So by training ourselves, playing at the streets, moving, coordination, and our brain, uh, learning how to control our body, and also our feelings, not only our movements, also our feelings. Nowadays, everything has changed because digital era has bring a lot of information. So, and I think this is a very important point. We, the, the generation, we develop ourselves in, in analog scenario. We, we, we develop a, a great capacity for focus because there were no so many distractions like there are right now with the digital era that you have information for everything that you want in one second. So that's a point in terms of performance, high performance, that is really, really important. The capacity that the, the sports uh, men, they have to concentrate in the task you are doing weekly by training and also in the competitions during the games. Not only in football, that affects to all sports. Uh, so that's uh, something we have to deal now. And mm, we tend, as humans, uh, as a coach I am now, and also as a father, we tend to use the, the, the things, the strategies, the tactics that they were good on us to, to learn, to reply in the new generations. But for me, this is a big mistake. That's why I always say, who helps the fathers? <laughs> because we are always thinking to help our kids, to help our players, young players, and etc. But who helps the players? Who helps the coaches? Uh, sorry, the the, the the parents, the coaches, because they are the ones, the teachers. They are the ones that they have to understand the new scenario, the new environment, to drive the the best ways to teach the new generation. So 
I'm con really full concern with, with this because if we use the same techniques that they were used with us in the past, it's not successful. Some of them don't apply yeah, they anymore. Don't Some they of them are old-fashioned. It's not enough to have talent to be picked by La Fabrica, which is the way that people call... Um, it, the La Fabrica means the factory, but I suppose it's meant to mean the talent factory, although they never say La, uh, La Fabrica de Talentas. So when you get there, attitude as well as ability is really important. Can you describe, because you make your debut, I think, against Zaragoza yeah. uh, in the last game of a season, around, yeah. around about 95. Yeah. Yes, 95, 96 with Arsenio Iglesias. Uh, so Arsenio is the coach who yeah. most people, we, we, so far we've had something like, I don't know, 25 million listens. And there are people from different generations. But I think I'm going to be one of the few who remembers Arsenio Iglesias. But it was a team very differently constructed. And I'm more, I'm more interested, if you can paint a picture of what did Vilma did as a club and an institution feel like then for you coming through? Because you were thinking about how do I establish myself? How do I get in the team? How do I stay in the team? Who are my rivals? But also you're an intelligent man. You must have been looking around and thinking. And at that stage... Real Madrid had witnessed a Cruyff Barcelona winning consistently at home. It was a Real Madrid which wasn't winning in Europe. And I wonder what what was the identity of the club when you were beginning to break yeah. through? Yeah. First of all, I, I want to also to add something about uh, the explanation of winning mentality, because we can also summarize in one in, in one phrase: is uh, the ability of quick learning. Uh -huh. For me, this is most important. One example, my son, that he loves football, and he's now 19, he's studying at, at Cambridge, he's a smart boy, he's a good boy, and he's also playing football at the university. You know? wow. He has been playing football since he was very young in, in many football, Spanish football academies, following, following my career as a player and also as a coach, but uh, not... Uh, now, uh, uh, his main ability is his brain, no? but he's a sport man also and he's enjoying a lot. But he asked me when he was very young, Daddy, what is the, the, the best skill that a football, player, a football player had? And I said to him, the quick learning ability. This is the best player, the one that learns faster than the others, because this is a continuous line of improvement. The, the day you stop learning is the day you stop uh, the, the end of your career is come to about. It's about to come. Talking about learning, if you are stepping and, and scaling all the things in the youth system of Real Madrid like I did, when you reach the opportunity to make the jump to the first team, that is the big pressure because you have been playing football, okay? A, 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 a enormous competitiveness you have because the best players in Spain and many abroad are coming to the youth, uh, to the academy of Real Madrid, and you are passing, you are passing, you are passing, you are passing. But when you reach the the moment to join the first team, is the big pressure coming to you? But you have been taught in holding that pressure without nobody told you. What I mean? The first time you become Real Madrid player, you change as a normal boy because everything around you has a immediate change in terms of uh, expectations uh, and everybody is pointing at you everybody around you recognizes you you are, you are not the, the single boy with your friends and your family no, 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 you are the single boy not the single, you are that one boy that is in Real Madrid system so first, your family, your friends at the school, teachers you start to deal with this pressure, this media pressure that is not pro media professional in terms of professional but in terms of expectation, that is the psychological way that is affecting to your capacity of performance, you are dealing. So, step by step, every time you reach a step further, the pressure becomes bigger. And when you join the first team, this is the biggest one. So, when I uh, was at that point to make my debut with Real Madrid, 95, 96, uh, that game at Zaragoza, the environment was really, really... Uh, pressure environment high pressure because Real is used to win every season but we came from some seasons in the first team of Real Madrid without wins 
So you know the pressure that there is around. That what happened? Many changes of coaches, and that was the chance I had to make my debut in the last day of that season, last match, Zaragoza, the team out of European competition and the team out of chances to get access to European competition, not even to fight for the title. Out of the six places that they, they drive teams to European competitions in the following season. So that makes me to have the chance to make my debut. And was a, a very decaf debut for me because I had the winning mentality. I wasn't expecting to make my debut in this kind of situation. Like said, okay, I'm very thanks to Arsene Iglesias, that was the coach that came to try to find the solution during the season for the team, but he, he didn't succeed. It was very tough season also for him, very difficult. And in the last game, many injured players, many players that he didn't want to go to play to Zaragoza, and, and he uh, promote some players from the second team. I was in, in this, but he didn't even, he didn't know about that. So, but he gave me the, the chance to make my debut and I thanks a lot. But it was in the following season when Fabio Capello came to try to, to put order in, in that mess. <laughs> that was the, the moment I, I felt, I feel like my, my real debut. Of, of course, because one game is, is statistically your debut, yeah. but when you emerge, when you start to feel, I can, I can win my place, I, I'm part of things, sure. that's when you, your identity changes fully. But it's funny you, you said players who didn't want to go to play in Zaragoza, that under Arsenio it was a bit of a mess. The mess included Raul, Michel, Luis Milla, Sanchez, a legend of the club, Luis Enrique before he decided to change allegiances, Ivan Samarano, Michael Laudrup, a guest on this interview series before, a fantastic footballer, Fernando Redondo played 23 times that season, people will have forgotten about Juan Esnaider, but a super forward, the late Freddy Rincon, Canizares was playing, Guti played nine times, what the hell was wrong, what? That's an incredible squad. Yeah, but Real Madrid always had top players. That's something that is, is very clear. But football is bigger than any club. <laughs> the game of football is the biggest team in the world. So nobody, nice can be, no, nobody, nobody and no team can be more than football. So it's, it's a universe. Football is a universe. So there are so many options in football that nobody can control football. If you look back now, this is a brief segment because we want, I want to hear about the successes and the glories. But if you look back at that era and the young eyes you had then, what was missing? Organisation, drive, hunger, better coaching? What, what was no, the absent element? We are talking about 90s, okay? But we have to understand also the, the Spanish football context during that decade, decades. Mm -hmm. So not only the 90s, uh, that was 96, 95 with Real Madrid uh, when I made my debut, but during the 80s, also during the 70s, Spanish football, it wasn't uh, with the highlight that, uh, like now. So there were in other countries, especially England, Italy and Germany, they were over Spanish football far away. What, what that affects to the, to the teams in Spain. So the top players, they were playing abroad also. I remember Italy teams, uh, Germany teams, England teams. This was the golden area of Syria. Syria was yeah, easily number one in the world. Especially Syria. So uh, that was the context for Spanish football. And there were something to be done to shorten that gap that the Spanish football they had with, uh, within other countries. And I think that thanks to Fabio Capello, Cam, it's not only Real Madrid made a, a big change in his history, a turning point. Also, it helps to Spanish football to shorten the gap within other, within other countries and start to be more competitive uh, in international competitions. Well, let me be the narrator here to, to bridge the gap because... One game against Zaragoza, Capello arrives, changes things from Madrid for Spanish football is your argument, and immediately, Victor, you play 36 times. 36 times in a title-winning team. 
Um, he's there one season. You score five goals. There, there's not gigantic changes in the squad, but Mijatovic, Sedorf, Suker all become very important. Panucci too. So I suppose there's some, some big transfer market work done that, that, that summer. Describe working for Capello and explain why the arrival of one man can transform a club, a squad, and in your argument, begin a transformation in La Liga too. Yeah, I, I think with the coach mentality I have now, the, the most difficult thing for a coach is to, to create the team atmosphere. So in big clubs, this is a big challenge because you have big players for sure, like we had in the previous seasons, the, the year I, I made my debut. But the, the, the big challenge is how to organize all this talent that you have around the same idea and around everybody working in the same direction. And not all, the most difficult is when the, the bad results come. Because when everything is okay, okay, everybody is happy to, to pull in the same, that, to, to, to push in the same direction. But the, when travels come, it's difficult. So this is the, one of the biggest challenges for a coach. That's why in, in Ramadi history, we can remember big teams with big names. But it's very difficult to remember Ramadi or whatever team you want to play, only about one player or players, no? Always a team that succeeds is a mix of players and team mentality, no? And team organization. So Capello brought that, definitely. Brought uh, a new method of work to Real Madrid, high demanding mentality, daily. The few things I learned all the time I was training with Real Madrid first squad during this period I was uh, about to make my debut, I, I realized that uh, there was a big difference between trainings and games. And I remember Fabio Capello arrives with one phrase that he repeats daily. We play as we train. So we train as we play. And every day was repeating that. And I remember that he had to repeat a lot in the first days he was on the charge of the team. And with the pass of the days, he had to repeat less because the team understood the message. And all of us, we behave like he worked. It. No, the trainings became like competition. It was amazing trainings in terms of uh, attitude, and performance, so that's a way to deal and to get used in the, in the, in the high-demanding competition. But much more things, much more things. So I, I, for me, for me, uh, was a turning point in terms of tactics. So uh, also there has been a big change in football with the, with the te new technology that has come, big data, artificial intelligence. I've never at that point used to see any single game with any coach, uh, any analysis of uh, our opponents. With Fabio Capello, he brought also the opponent's analysis. And there was not these uh, digital tools. There was also video, tape, and by, by playing, forward, rewind, okay, stop, play, look, here, there is the space, okay, forward, okay, stop, here, this is the problem, this is the space we have to attack, okay, this is... Like that, I, I learned a lot in terms of tactic. But there, were, there was not the tools that there is now that you make, you should go to any, any football staff and it's amazing, the, the preparations that they It's create. like NASA, it's like yeah, a space organization. And the players are always sitting <laughs> and they only have to open the mouth and eat. No, but at that days, we have to be open eyes, open ears, open everything to learn. No? And the quickest learning are where the quickest improving. Tell me what position you played because I would say in Spanish you would normally be called an extremo yes were you an extremo yeah, and, and, and define what that is and if you were what does Fabio Capello expect not just of Victor Sanchez Alamo but of his extremo of his winger yeah. in, in, in that team okay I was born in a football where the formation one four four two was the usual and at the times that the, the, most of the team, they play with two strikers. Yes. Classical strikers. Yes. So that affects to the, the skills, the ability and the way of playing of the teams and of also of the players. And as a, as a winger I was, I started playing as a forward. So that's why I had a good skill in terms of finishing. And I scored always in all the, all the seasons I played for football. I, I always 
scores and goals. But uh, as a winger, I developed my, my ability with my both legs to have the possibility to play both wings, but the most of the times I play as a right winger. It's not the same like now that the extremos they are because they have been a change. Now the most usual formation is the 1-4-3-3 and we lost the two classical strikers for one and sometimes because many of the times they don't have classical striker and they have another kind of a striker and they have moved the strikers to the wings and they play as extremos but with a, a, a responsibility more in attack than more in defense. No? In our days, in my days of football, in the 1-4-4-2, wingers... We had to deal with offensive and with defensive, and we had to reach the byline to make accuracy crosses, and we have to reach our byline to help our fullback and our team to defend. So it's a long range uh, every every game to cover. No, nowadays the streams, I don't see the streams now reaching the. The wingers don't no, do so no. much work. No, that's now the work of what they call here carrileros, yeah. and in English we call wingbacks. Yeah. So Capello would often ask the two wide men in his four midfield to be helping the fullback and playing double cover if there was a wide attacker from the opponent. Yeah, but also, also Capello brought one idea that I think nowadays everybody understands. If you want to perform in a high level, football has two sides. When you have the ball and when you don't have the ball. All times, all football, things that they were uh, amazing on the ball they could have a lack of uh, ability defense. Yeah. That yeah. was not a problem to get results. But there was a turning point about that. With the modern football, uh, if you want to perform in high level, you need to, to be strong and you, you need to give a high performance in the both sides, when you have the ball and when you have the ball. So Capello brought that to Real Madrid because it was a team that was used because of the quality of the players to be very good on the ball, but lack of the ball. And he made all the players, all these uh, big star players, they commit with the defensive tasks. And then we, we were a team that everybody was saying about that, the big difference in Real Madrid, that we work as a unit on the ball and off the ball. So we were very compact team and we were top team in terms of quality, but also in terms of uh, on quality, you see through the ball. Mm -hmm. He balanced the, the mentality between offensive task, defensive task, and then we made the step to, to perform higher. And, and anything, all these things led Real Madrid and also Spanish football, because what Real Madrid, what biggest club do in a country, Real Madrid, Barcelona, in Spain, the main, uh, all the other teams they copy mm -hmm. and they follow the line. Yeah. So I, that's why I said what's not so only very important for Real Madrid history, also for the Spanish football history, because all the teams, they start to shorten the gap with uh, abroad teams. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. 
J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. I was lucky enough in, in that championship season to visit the training ground because in those days, if you were a journalist, you could come to the training ground, you could watch training. And one day, uh, it was Roberto Carlos's birthday, I think, and Capello said, OK, training is over, that's fine, everybody in. But Roberto Carlos stayed out with six <laughs> or seven footballs, trying to bet, because the old training ground was much more, it was not so high-tech. And there was a little gardener's shed, a garage where the tractors were kept. And he would stand about 30 metres away and try to yeah. bend the football yeah. into the little garage. And Capello said, once, Vamos, Roberto, por favor. And Roberto Carlos just yeah, yeah, paid yeah. no attention whatsoever. He walked away and left him because Roberto Carlos was Roberto Carlos. What kind of football is that? Street football. Street football. <laughs> Hundred percent. It was so funny 100%. to watch, and it, but, but it, it it told me a story that Capello is a disciplinarian. Yeah. He wants things just this way. If you cross him, then you will have some trouble. But also, he gives some elasticity to the great players. Yes. When they don't come in, when he says now come in, he's like, of okay. course, uh, uh, he knew uh, which player deserves one way of behavior with him and which other players with another. Okay. That's and true of Capello, yes. Yeah. That, yeah, of course, but that I think this is 100% right because uh, as a coach, as a manager, I have a lot of influence from Fabio Capello for sure ah. in my, my mentality as a coach, but I, I repeat this to my players many times. I cannot treat every one of you the same, but I demand the same responsibility for every one of you the same. Nice. The same. It's not the same. The responsibility and the respect is not the same. You don't have to, to confuse with the way we treat. Because you have one brother and one sister, and you don't treat the same, your brother and your sister. So it's very used from players, but as a player, we, we are used to give excuses for everything. Always excuses for everything and always complaining. As a player, I don't know when in football history they touch the players to complain for everything. But I did as a player when I was as a player and when I became coach, I understood this and I said, okay, if I, now I learn coach side, I had, I, had, I had had to learn this before because I, I, I would have before a, a better behavior many, many times what did in case of complaining. What did sure. you complain about? Everything. <laughs> you complain, you reach the training, oh, today is raining, what a boring day to train. You come the following day with the sun. Ah, today is sunny. For, this is too hot. So and you're never okay with the things. Now, this is more or less this general. Yeah, but this is football. But later you switch on and then you connect to the, to the task. Yeah, this yeah. is very important. But this is very nice also and funny for coaches to deal against the uh, complaints mood that the players they had the most of the times. It was a season. And Capello, we were talking about Capello, and Capello was a master with that. Capello was a master because he knew how to treat different ones. Okay, the leaders, the big players, Raúl. Raúl was 19 years old. Yes, 19 years old, but he was sitting on the on the table with the with the captains and with the top players. And Capello was treating Raúl the same like Miyatobis because he was the, one of the most important players for the team. Fernando Hierro, captain. Manuel Sanchez was a player that he was playing at the first 11 as a first choice the most of the time, but was an important player in the dressing room, and Capello knew that, and he gave his place also. So mm, he behaved like that, but later with the, with the other players, he had different treatment, and, and the things that led to the, to the stars... Uh, he didn't let to, to the others. But we understood. We understood every one of us. At that stage, you, you were the others. 
At that stage, you were yeah, part of the yeah, others. You can imagine you, that the youth, the young players from the youth system, we were in the in the lowest uh, step, <laughs> the lowest rung. Yeah, everybody, all of you will know um, about Raúl more or less. But Victor just mentioned that he was about 19. It was a second season. He was breaking through. 42 matches, 41 starts, 21 goals for Real Madrid under Capello in a title-winning season. He's been ignored a little bit, but an astonishing footballer. He wasn't, he's a huge, strong character, but at that stage probably he wasn't one of the bosses of the, the, the dressing room, the training ground, the, the restaurant, the bus journeys. But, but who was? I, I'm guessing that even though he was relatively new at the club, Iero already was somebody who wanted to be a boss, You've mentioned Sanchez. Sedorf always thought he yeah. was right about everything all the time. One of our guests was Sven Joran Eriksson, who coached him at Sampdoria. And Sven gave us 15 minutes of how he had to re-educate Sedorf about, why do I have to work? Just give me the ball and I'll do special things. Who have we not spoken And you can see nowadays he, how he is fit. He keeps fit now. He's in the same age like me. We are very good friends. We, we were teammates when he reached Real Madrid. He could I still can... play. He could still yeah. play world-class football. Yeah. So how, how... It's ridiculous. How it changed the mentality of a player. Because we are, we are kids. We are kids. But we are kids that we want to learn. If you want to learn, you improve much yeah. than others. This is the, the big point. And the, 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 fit capa- the, the fitness capacity is something nowadays also. It's a high demanding for, for every player. In, in that group, who was the big boss in the players? Who, who, who was the... Look, this is a difficult for me to choose because, okay, the Brahman dressing room, always there is the, the low, I think it's a football low. The, the most experienced players are captains. So respecting that, that always happening, and at that moment was Manuel Sanchez, Fernando Hierro, and Paco Bullo. The keeper, the goalkeeper. But you know what happened? This is the turning points in, in, in all the clubs where legends, players are about to finish their career, then new generation is coming, pushing, and some coach has to deal with that and has to make the change also in the leaders in the dressing room. And Capello did, okay? Fernando Hierro was the, the top player at that moment, but he kept Manuel Sanchez and Paco Bullo as a captains without the role of S11 players, but Raul jumped there, straight. <laughs> Raul jumped there. I, I know Raul since 14. We were teammates. He, he joined Real Madrid at the age of 14. I, I'm sure that you know, but I'm going to explain you. He was Atletico de Madrid academic player. And at that days, uh, the president of Atletico de Madrid decided to, to cancel the Jesus Hill. system. The famous the Jesus Hill. Jesus Hill. And he cancelled them, the most of the team in the justice. So a lot of boys, a lot of young players, they, from one day to the other, they were without a team. And Real Madrid picked Raúl. He came to our team, we, we were in the under 15, and he was, he was under 14. That was very unusual for Real Madrid system, where they were very strict with the age of the players. So if you are in the under 14, you are under 14. If you are in under 15, you are under 15. But they, they promote Raúl because he was outstanding in Atletico de Madrid as a, as a big talent scoring. Just that, scoring. He, every game he played at Real Madrid, he scores many, many goals. But at the you know, 11, 12, 13, okay, you, you are standing out, but it's a long way to become a professional football player. But there was a luck, a lucky moment for Real Madrid because Raúl was free and he came to Real Madrid and they promote one young older players he was playing with us and from the first day you could understand that he had a natural talent to score he was a lefty very thin <laughs> player very thin player no fitness condition but with a inside power that you, you couldn't understand how so much powerful boy in a, in a very thick uh, body. So it was amazing. He jumped like a rocket. Did, did you have a... Yeah, we were... As an extremo, and Raul always played as a forward, but in my mind, 
Is he an outright nine? You know, no, yes. no. The, the classical uh, formation for Real Madrid was influenced for mm, the big success team that we had, La Quinta del Buitre. Yeah. Real Madrid. And there was nine, a number nine, a striker, Hugo Sánchez, and a second forward, like was Emilio Butragueño, not like a classical number, number nine, but a forward. Okay, the ability to play between lines, to move uh, smart movements to the spaces, quality to play with his back to the a, goal. A, a nine and a half, half you could yeah, say now, yeah, yeah. more or less. Yes, like a, like, yes, a nine and a half, number ten, number ten with good skills also in terms of scoring. Raul was a number nine in a body of a number ten, but it was a number nine, definitely, because you put the ball on the box, you cross from the wing to the box, and Raúl had the, the ability to find the, the best position to take the ball, whatever, with the head, with the right, with the, he was lefty, mm -hmm. but he scored so many goals mm -hmm. with the right. We said, but that player is lefty. Mm -hmm. How can he score this such a great goal with his right, from outside of the door, from inside, whatever. He could score for every play. So he made a, a, a big jump to the first team when, when he was... 17. I played with him together under, five, under 15, under 16, under 17. But when he was 17 years old, we were in the 13 of Real Madrid. And then Jorge Valdano took him to the first team. Jorge Valdano, when he reached to Real Madrid, he did something really, really good. Also linked to Vicente del Bosque, that he was academy director. Head of the academy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 They built a, a, a most talent players in the system, a group with the most talent players in the youth system since uh, 16 years old, since 18. And they, they made extra trainings that was something that never done in, in Real Madrid uh, uh, with the first team staff. So Fabio, uh, Jorge Valdano was training this group of talent every afternoon. So he did yeah. his first team training, yeah. so, but then he yeah. worked with yeah. the younger group yeah. in the and, afternoon. And they were doing a very good work for this uh, group of talent players to help them to approach the professionalism. Wow. Really, really important. I'm, I'm, very, I'm very, thank you to, very thanks to him also, to Jorge Valdano, because he was very important in, in my career, and of course in Raul's career. In all this talent, uh, group talent, uh, we reached the first team uh, a good number of players. Raul, uh, Álvaro, Guti, García Calvo, and, and me, five. We were a generation. And you probably reached it little more quickly than you would have done, but also better prepared. Yeah, for sure. Also, they, they started to use us in trainings with the first team. Ah. They started to use us in, in friendly games that the first team they had at that time where there was not this mess of calendar with games, uh, official games every day. So, <laughs> so it was very helpful for us also. We learned a lot. So far, we've talked a lot about ideas and strategy and your abilities, your vocabulary as a coach is really emerging really strongly but I want to stop I hope and allow you to enjoy some endorphins because you're a human being not just a footballer or a coach you win the league in your first big season after years of the dream team winning etc etc and Aleti winning the double in 95-96 what, what, what was the feeling for a young man from the Fabrica How did your family feel? How did your friends feel? I suppose when you win the title, and one of the clinching games is a derby, beating Atletico late on, you beat a very interesting bus on a side with Ronaldo, with uh, Figo, with Bobby Robson, etc. But was it magnificent to, to go back to your parents, to, to speak to friends from school as a champion of Spain? What was the sensation? Yeah, look, we are talking about... Emotions now. Yeah. And sorry, I, I know of course, and I thank you a lot because for me this is a very important point. We have to understand that uh, as a humans, we have to deal with two sides every day: the cognitive and the emotional, the reason and the emotions. We cannot uh, uh, close one side and focus just in the other. We have to learn to deal with both. So it's very important. And, and the most of the uh, and our our performance depends on the two sides. It's how to deal with the two sides. So I was taught in Real Madrid Academy. I don't know why, but 
to learn to deal with the emotional side, how to deal with it in the, in the peak moments, to focus in the task and to avoid that the emotions affect to you. That's the point. The big change in your life is when you became famous. Suddenly, I was playing every weekend with Fabio Capello in Real Madrid first team, facing Barça, one of the best Barça in history, facing Atlético de Madrid, etc. Big clubs and winning La Liga. And also, start, I started at that moment going with the national team, under 21. And we won La Liga, and in a couple of years, also we won, we became European, European, champions. European Champions League with the national team, and also we won the Champions League the following season. The under-21 European Championship. I, I, I used the two years I played for Real Madrid in the, in the first squad, and you were focused how to learn more, how to improve, because the high-demanding demanding environment where you are in Real Madrid doesn't let you a moment to stop and think about what you have done. Because maybe it could be too late for the next step. And there are many examples nowadays. It's what you do. It's not what you did. You are defending what everybody did before. You one and the others. But if you don't defend well in the present, you don't deserve to put the t-shirt in the next game. That was the mentality I had. So I fought every game. There was few space in my, in my, in my head for feelings. Just feelings about pressure, handle the pressure, and improving and continue prison. More in a professional way than an emotional way. I always said, when I retire, I will have time to look back, make a review, and enjoy. Like today. Like today, for example. Before we start to talk about Deportivo La Coruña, which we must do, is there any way you can sum up, explain for people around the world, especially given the, the Septima when it comes, the European Cup. Madrid have owned the trophy, they invented the, the, the tournament, more or less. They've owned it under Gento and Puskas and yeah. Di Stefano. And the 60s belong to Real Madrid. The Yeah Yeahs, the Beatles. The, the, the 60s are really the Beatles and Real Madrid. <laughs> and that's it. Maybe Sinatra. And then Madrid can't win it, just can't win it. Mm-hmm for nearly 30 years. Do you remember, football is bigger than anyone. <laughs> football will, if you think you're bigger than football, it will, it will slap you down, and, and maybe it does for Madrid. Heinkes is the coach, and you can explain to us a little bit what he was like, because he has an unfortunate season. I remember going to the press conference in the hotel in Amsterdam uh, before the Champions League final against Juventus. You've scored on, on the route to the final against the Olympiacos. You play in Dortmund where the pressure is, hold on. I think the 1-0 advantage from the first leg, the, the pressure is, hold on, don't concede. It's 0-0, you're in the final. And I remember because Heinkes couldn't win the league and the league form wasn't strong, there was a journalist said to him, yup, yup, if you win the Champions League tomorrow, will it save your job? And he was like, yeah. no. Yeah. He said it, he knew it. He was out, and he still had a Champions yeah. League to win. But the Septima is bigger even than the strange story of Jupp Heynckes. For Madrid, how did it feel, that this, this demand, win the Septima, win this season? And when it happened, why did it happen? For me, what Jupp Heynckes did at Real Madrid was unbelievable. Because he, he reached the team in a very difficult environment. Since many years, you are struggling uh, down to Barca, and then one coach came, like Fabio Capello, and turned that. And suddenly he left. Why Capello had to leave Real Madrid after succeeding? I don't know. But, for sure, it's something that is strange. It's something at the back of the scenes happening. And then they brought Heikes. So, the things that were happening at the back of the scenes, I guess, had to deal with that. Not only what was happening at the pitch. So, you have the players used to train in one way, succeed way with Fabio Capello, and then you are a coach that you come and you have to 
continue. But the players do continue. But Heikes also was a, a very good coach with high CV also, and he tried to do his, his style. So, so his style was a bit different than Capello's one. Some players, they didn't like a lot the way we were training, the differences between him and Capello, and he started to lose some players in the, in the dressing room during the season. What happened also, that with this environment that was not full focus in the game and in the world because they had some players they had the doubts this debate was happening in the dressing room it's not the the things it's the it's about the mentality and the mentality brings doubts I understand and with doubts you reduce your capacity of performance for me the confidence the trust is the is like the oil in a in engine and as a coaches you have to to work on that But Victor, I, I, you've lived this, and, and over our interviews in my career, I'm, I'm pretending to be shocked because I know that football does this. Do Real Madrid end a 30-year wait for their beloved trophy, yeah. which always gets out of their hand at a time when the, the trust in the dressing room isn't good, yeah. one or two players have lost their way, sure. the coach is about to be sacked, and yet, in the worst possible circumstances... The most difficult thing happens. Yeah, and then you can understand how I, I, I give the credit to Jupp Huygens reaching that achievement in such a difficult environment for him. Because he didn't have the, the full the foothold in front of the board of directors because, you know, the connection between important players and board of directors, if the they, player they has some doubts, the yeah, they, they say, hey, we have this doubt, and then the board of directors, they had the doubts, and finally... We're struggling in La Liga. We, we end out of a European competitions in that season. That is amazing also. Back to the, back to the past. I think we, we finished seven out of European places. But in Champions League, the team changed the mentality. Why? Because always that team uh, had a winning mentality, thanks also to Fabio Capello a lot, and was a hunger team. And okay... We said, mm, there is a chance in, to turn history also. 32 years without winning the Champions League for Real Madrid. Mm, it's a good time to win, no? <laughs> We are going to become like uh, heroes no? for, for Real Madrid history. Semifinals against Borussia Dortmund, that they were the champions of the previous season, we passed with a very good performance. And uh, against Juventus in the final, that also they were favorites, great Juventus, Zidane, Del Piero, amazing club. Since the previous day, since the last training before the, the final, I knew we were going to win. <laughs> There were two, two points, I realized that. Because we did a special camp for the final. You, you went yeah. several days in advance? Yes. Yeah. And, and to a forest? To Amsterdam. Or? Not to Amsterdam. We you didn't Amsterdam. stay far away from... Far away from the city. Yeah. Not, but not so far away... Closer village, but you know, Holland, small village, camp, good. I think uh, five, four days that they camp there before the, the final. The players commit also. I, I, I realize also the, the players, the, the big players, the captains, the, the most important players, they, they made meetings to commit, okay, this is our chance. Hunger players, hunger players. All of us, we realize that we were in a historic opportunity for our careers. And also, from a staff uh, side, from Jupp Heikens, uh, he did something that was my, the first time uh, as a player I, I, I saw. And I can tell you my, my experience, it affects to my motivation for the game. He prepared a, a video high, with the highlights of all the players. First time. Your players? Our players. Oh, she, he, you said, okay, boys, today, before coming to the dinner, we are going to watch one video. And then we, he drove us to the video room and he uh, pushed the play. And we were waiting some analysis from the opponents or something like that. Because, yes, something for, some reparations, some insights, something. Or, or maybe we are going to watch some video from, from Juventus. And we started to see our own movements and plays. And for me, it was something amazing. And I remember that we had the following day, the last training. And I remember that training as the best train I have been 
in my life. So the level of performance of all the players that day was amazing. I said at that moment, mm, I think that Juventus, they said Juventus is the favorite, but like this, we kill everyone. And the other point was when we were uh, just about to come to the pitch, uh, you know, the, the two lines of players, the first time you, f you see the face of your opponents. Because during, you are in the dressing room, you don't see them. During the warm-up, you focus just in your side. You don't look to their opponents. But when you are going to the pitch in the, the corridor, you have to face them because you are one meter distance. And then you see the eyes. <laughs> and the eyes, there wasn't our eyes. So you see, when, when you see in your face, you trust the confidence the self-confidence, this power you see in the side. And, and we realized ourselves we were stronger than them. Piel de Galina. Goosebumps. <laughs> I promise you right now, my, my spine is tingling. I, you took us there. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.